How's everybody doing? Good. That's good. Good, good. Hey, um, this morning, not easy, huh? Weird. Heavy. Tension. We hate tension, don't we? Solve it for me. Fix it for me. Don't make me leave like that. And, and to be honest, it's hard for me. I want to I solve it. But in fact, part of what we need to do is live in it. We need to deal with sin. We need to talk about it. We need to feel it. Feel that depravity. Feel that separation. Feel that reality. For so many of us, we're running past it. You know, kind of blinding our eyes to it, covering our faces, and just kind of moving forward and pretending that it'll all go away, and it won't. And you know it won't, because you feel it. You feel it deep, deep inside of your soul. Your soul is speaking to you the very thing that God created in the beginning of time when he created you. Man and woman, and he knit you together in his mother's womb, is the call of your soul back to him. A reminder that you are not made for your own, but you were made for him and for his glory. Um, Ephesians 4, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians 4. And we're going to be in verses 20 through 24 a little later on. But I'd like for you to just sit in this passage like we've been doing, uh, verses uh, 20 through 24. So Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. If you could just read that and sit in that. You can also, if you don't have something, join a friend. Just read that and uh, we'll get going here in just a sec. But just take a minute. What would the Spirit of God be speaking to you this morning? tonight. Ephesians 4, 20 through 24, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of God, and everybody said, amen. Father God, we love you. We're so grateful to be here to hear your word, that you would teach us, Spirit. Would you teach us right now, Spirit? You are speaking 
We believe in faith that you are doing a mighty work in the hearts of so many right now. I feel the weight, the weight of so many souls just longing for something. Souls so disappointed by a pursuit after meaningless things. Thirsty, hungry. Would you fill them up tonight? I join you, Spirit of the God, to do the work that only you can do. Thank you for your presence. You are near to us, near to us right now, near to us in our own heartbeat. And we receive what you're going to teach us tonight. Amen. And I told you I grew up in a Christian home. Um, what I didn't tell you is what kind of Christian home. I grew up, I always joke, I, I was born and I came out singing like Amazing Grace. You know, just came right out of the womb. I mean, like, we went to church all the time and, 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 I, and I loved growing up in that, in that home. But I decided that in a young age to just be, a, a, I was just going to be a soldier for the Lord. Right? And I saw that all the way through. And I was like a kind of like super Christian. I went to Christian school my whole life. I am, and this is a real story, I won the best Christian in the school award two years in a row. That's a thing. I got a plaque. I got a plaque that was called the Conqueror's Award. Right? I, I still own those to go, how ridiculous, right? But the school, do you know what that does to a high school kid? You start strutting around. What's your thing? My thing is Jesus, right? And everybody knows it because I'm the best. Oh, you won baseball? That's cute, right? So I won the best Christian in the school award two years in a row. I went on mission trips, right? I led Bible studies. I was in a, a band. I did worship. Like, we did prison ministry. We did pro-life rallies. If it had a fish on it, I did it, right? I did it. I was all about it, right? All about it. I went to Moody Bible Institute in downtown Chicago. I had this idea in my brain that I was going to be everything, and I was going to do it right. Got married at 21, started ministry to junior high students, and I love that work. Moved from Chicago to uh, Arizona, again, junior high, and then into high school, just striving so hard to be good, to make my mark, to do the right thing to try my best. My son got diagnosed with cancer when he was eight years old. It's okay. Lord, you got me, we'll keep going. I know my mom left me when I was 12. I don't have a relationship with my dad. We're on the outs, right? But I'll figure it out. I'll keep going, I'll keep grinding, right? Got, did cancer, went through that, moved to California. I'm going to continue to move forward right now because I'm at a higher level in leadership at a local church. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm finally striving and going. And then I'm in this doctor's office, and this guy looks at me, and he tells me that I have cancer caused by anxiety over a long period of time, and I'm mind blown. What? Like, I'm not even, like, I'm going, like, but I don't feel anxious, Right? And he goes, here's your options. There's a really good chance you could be dead in about eight months. Obviously, that didn't happen. 
Um, or you're going to have cancer for the rest of your life, and you're going to have to get blood lead, which means every month they bleed you, take lots of blood out of you. And you'll have to take chemotherapy. And your quality of life reduces significantly. We have to take a test. We have to figure out what version of this cancer that you have, but it's not good. And I walked out of the oncologist's office going, what is happening? And I'm so sad to say this, but I've served the Lord my whole life, but you know what I didn't do? I didn't ask for help. Because I'm a good Christian. I'm doing the work. I got this. That would have been mantra my whole life. I got this. I'll figure it out. It's okay. And in that month, what the Lord told me is I needed help. God, I need help. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I'm complete. I don't know what happened. And what happened during that period of time this month while I'm waiting to get the results from this test is the Lord started to reveal to me what I really loved. I really loved making a difference. I really loved being a soldier for the Lord. But what I missed was him, fully him, his rescue, his love, his care. Because I was always so busy doing. And I cried out for help. January 31st, or uh, uh, December 31st, 2019, we go back to the doctor's office. And I sit in the office. And he opens up his whatever. And he goes, well, it's weird. Report a month ago, you have this, and it just is gone. It's just gone. And we don't really have words for this in the medical field. And I said, but I do. But God, but God did something. I can't heal myself. I can't solve this problem. I can't fix this. I can't fix it. I can't make myself unsick. God had to do that. He had to heal me. But the wages of sin is death. We can't fix that. You don't have the capacity. It's way above your pay grade. You can't do it with your truth. You can't do it your way. You are dead in your transgressions. Your sins. But God, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Isn't that precious? And it's nothing that you've done. Nothing that you've accomplished. That hope is so powerful. It's like my boyfriend broke up with me. But all he talked about was video games anyway, so I guess it worked out. <laughs> right? I failed my test. Oh, but, but the teacher was grading on a curve. Yay, right? There's so much hope in that. Right? I'm not going to fail. Right? <laughs> I was in a head-on collision, but I came out without a scratch. That word is so powerful. It is transitioning an idea, an identity 
a reality. I was diagnosed with cancer, but God healed me. We were all sinners, are sinners, but Jesus rescued us. This is the narrative of Scripture that he who knew no sin became sin so that you can be the righteousness of God, that you stand before God Almighty and go, it's because of Jesus, it's because of what he has done, not me, not my works, not my way, it's you and only you. That's what a but God reality brings to us. This is what Ephesians 2, Paul, again, earlier in the book is like, church, I love you so much, but you have to hear this over and over and over. You were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following Satan, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at the work of sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. He is talking about you. He is talking about me. Paul is talking about himself. He's not saying, oh, no, no, this is all of you, but not me. I'm telling you right now, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. Paul's going, I'm the worst. I'm talking about myself here. He's teaching them like a father who loves them, who's trying to help them see the truth. Do you not see yourself? Do you not see your sin? Do you not see how it's bringing death and division in your life? Your plans are crushing you. But... God, being, listen to this, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us. Do you want you to hear this? Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you. I want you to hear this. Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you, and he gives you his mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. By grace you have been saved. Through faith, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved once again through faith. It is not because of something that you've done. It is a gift of God. In other translations it says this, it's a free gift not a result of works so that none of you will boast. God is not some shyster that you manipulate into getting what you want. You don't get to bargain with him. 
You know, go, go, hey, hey, see all, see all that good stuff I did? He doesn't work that way. He doesn't get paid off like some mafia member. He goes, no, 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 I give myself freely. When you were dead in your trespasses, I just kept loving you. You couldn't do it on your own, and I just kept loving you. I kept sacrificing and caring, and I sent my only begotten son because I loved you. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, listen to this, will not perish, but have eternal life. You'll receive the grace and the mercy. You'll finally give up. That's what I had to do in that month. I had to give up. Jeff, you can't fix this. Give up. This way in which you're living your life, the Lord has been called. Give up. Give up your ways of doing things. Give up your works. Give up trying to prove to God that you are somebody, that your existence matters because of what you do. Give up and receive the free gift, his grace and his mercy that covers a multitude of sins, my sins, and receive that gift. Like one of my favorite moments in the crucifixion, on Good Friday, which by the way, I find it so ironic we call it Good Friday. That paradox is so beautiful. Good Friday equals Jesus' death. Death. And there's this moment on Good Friday after Jesus' flesh has been ripped to shreds by the cat of nine tails, which would latch itself to the back and rip the flesh off. It was said that you could see his ribs. That's why I couldn't carry the cross. I had to need help. The God of the universe. Can you help me? He's crucified. He's nailed. And he hangs on the cross in between two thieves. This moment. Jesus is suffering. Please do not make this a children's book story. He is bleeding and he is grieving and he is hurting like we hurt. He is bleeding like we bleed. The pain and the nerves and everything we feel, he is feeling all of that. And then this joker over here says, hey, I think you might be the Christ. Hook me up. What? Let me get this straight, bro. You're going to live a whole life of sin doing the whole thing, right? This man deserved to be on the cross. He himself said it. We deserve to be here. And he has the audacity to look to Jesus and say, in the last hours of his life, save me. Make it better. He can't do anything. He can't prove that he's a good boy. He can't even prove that what he has felt is actually true. But he confesses that Jesus is Messiah. And he believes that Jesus can save him. And he doesn't even know what that really means, but he wants it. Just a small mustard seed size of faith, but he just went, I think you're Jesus. I'd like to be with you. If it was me, thank God it isn't. Sorry, dude, you had your shot. You're dead in your trespasses. You belong here. It's not what Jesus did. 
today. Today. Today you'll be with me. And I want you to feel this. This man receiving the grace of God can do nothing with it other than to just worship him and die. He listens to Jesus yell to the father, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he takes on the sins of the world and this man is watching it redeemed, knowing and believing in the promise that Jesus says that he will be with him. Having done nothing to earn it. That is a picture of us. It's us. This man dies without ever getting to get off that cross and go make it right. He just gets to receive the free gift of Jesus. This is what Paul is trying to help us understand through and through. Paul's like, I want to testify of Jesus. Don't live like the Gentiles. Don't do it. Don't live like them. This, this sin, it's death. It's futile. It's crushing you. Look to Jesus. Look to what he did. Receive his free gift. Paul's going, I did this. He came to me in my sin, in my depravity, in my shame, and he rescued me. I want you, I want you to know this. I want you to live this out. I want you to feel this. I want you to receive this free gift. He is pastoring them, and he is still pastoring us today through the words inspired by the Spirit of God that is speaking to your hearts right now that you know you can't do it on your own. You know you can't. I'm praying that you listen to what God is speaking to you tonight and believing that you cannot save yourself. No self-help book will do it. No Instagram post will fix it. No like will make it better. No following or anything will solve the deep desire of your heart to be intimately known and rescued and saved by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. Your soul knows it. Romans says is that it was built into you, that you can go out and look at the stars and go, something transcendent is high and lifted up. And John goes, and then he came to us and he moved into the neighborhood and he suffered, he cried, he weeped, he bled, and then he died because of love. Because of love. Because you couldn't do it on your own. And you couldn't fix it on your own. And that's what love does. Love never looks for a kickback. True love never looks for a kickback. When Patty and I first got married, tw again, 21 years old, and my I love you game was on spot. You know what I'm saying? Newlyweds, I love you, right? I am just love you. I love you so much. I love you, right? And my wife's response to me was, okay, come again? Did you hear how I just, I loved you all over the place, right? I love you. Hang up the phone. I love you. And she go, okay, we'll see you tonight. Man, what's going on? I don't understand, right? Because I feel like I'm dishing it out real good, right? Being all husbandly and stuff like that. I love you. I love you. So finally, like we're, we're, we're about to go to sleep. Right? And I'm like, I'm going to lay it on real thick. Baby, I couldn't do I would never say that. But, but you know, like, I, I love you so much. I'm so grateful for you. I love you. And she goes, okay, good night. And I was like, what's your deal? 
Honestly, what's your problem? We're newlyweds. This should be the most lovey-dovey time of our life. What's going on? And she said this, your I love you is for you. It's for you. It's for you. Jesus's I love you was unselfish and fully for you. Love of the Father to rescue his sons and daughters. Unselfish, no return. Propitiation, a covering, a pouring out of his life, his blood. That is why Paul comes to us and he says, but this is not the way you learn, to live like the Gentiles, to sin. Assuming that you have heard of him, that you taught him as in the truth in Jesus, to put off your old self. Get rid of this Gentile way of living and thinking, this sinful death life. Get rid of you. You can only get rid of it through Jesus. Only get rid of it through him, which belongs to your former manner of life and corrupt and deceitful desires and be renewed. What is that? I received the free gift of Jesus, his death and his resurrection, a covering over the multitude of my sins. We said this morning that death demand, or that sin demands a life, death. And Jesus paid that price. And he's like, take that on. Be renewed by that. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Take on Jesus. Get rid of that old self, that old way of thinking, that death life, and take on life and life to the full. Take it fully on. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. This is what this man this sinner, this thief did. I'm saved. Not that I live forever in the flesh, but I'm rescued. Eternal life. Eternal life. About 15 years ago, I went to India for the first time. India's like a home after, it's, my, it's my, like my second home. I love India. The first time I went was just like a mind-blowing experience. I go to India, and, and, uh, and we did all these crazy things, and, and I met this little girl. Her name was Wasuntha. And we were going to sponsor, the, uh, I wanted, we wanted, my wife and I wanted to sponsor, and the boys we wanted to sponsor a, a little girl. And so I just went to the guy, and I said, we would really love to sponsor her. He goes, oh, do you know her story? And I said, no. And he goes, this little girl her mom and her dad abandoned her and her brother to the streets at four years old. And, and, and they had to scavenge for themselves. Well, some neighbors took them in and would abuse them and beat them. And then they would lock her in a closet and they were saving her virginity to sell on the black market because she's what's called in the Indian culture a black beauty, big eyes, dark skin. And they sell for more money and this poor family was like, if we could just keep raising her as a slave in our home, eventually we can sell her and make money. And then a next door neighbor had heard Wasuntha screaming one day and came in and broke open the door and brought her to us. She's been here for two weeks. And this little girl was squirrely, 
like nasty. She's hitting people all over the place. And of course, I was like, that's the one we want to take care of. How can we help this little one, right? And so he says, thank you. Well, then through the process of my time there, I, I just looked to him and I said, could we adopt her? And he said, met with his people. And he said, yeah, I think we can figure out how to do that. It's going to take some time. But I think, so I came home and said, babe, I mean, I had talked to my wife, and, and we ha- we're figuring out how to adopt this little girl in India. And so we get an international attorney, and we're doing the whole thing, right? Going through the whole of the process, and so I go back to India a year later. And then we're Skyping with her, right, and doing all these little things like that. And, and so I go back a year later, and we're sitting at the table, and, and we're eating. And in India, if you eat food, typically it's going to be chicken, right? So they eat lots of chickens. In fact, it's like, oh, look at these cute little chickens. And then later on in the day, you come back and go, where's the chickens? Here's your dinner. Um, so we're sitting, we're sitting at the table, and we're eating, we're eating chicken. And, I, and you know, she's sitting on my lap. I'm so excited to see her, right? We've been going through this huge process. We're getting close, right? And so I'm eating chicken, and I get done with my chicken. I put my bones down, and I kind of move to the side. And she starts, and she finishes her chicken, and then she starts eating the chicken bones. Like, and I was like, no, 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 baby girl, don't we don't do that. And she was like, ah, right? And she ate the, all the chicken bones, and I was like, yo, what is going on? Because, you know, my wife and now and I are sending money over to take care of her. Like, we've got her in a school. Like, she's, you know, five years old. Why is she eating chicken bones? What's going on? Is she not being taken care of? And so I meet with the, the family of the guy that she's staying with. And I'm like, what's going on? He says, oh, my friend. He says, your little daughter, she lives like a slave still. She steals mangoes, and she eats them till she throws up. And she keeps eating chicken bones because she's afraid. She's still living like a slave. She has not come yet to understand that she's a daughter. And that just broke me. It just broke my heart. And so we, I left, and, you know, again, we're a long process to adopt overseas. We're getting close, so I come back for my second, or this is now my third trip. And same thing, same meal. She's sitting, and again, we've been Skyping, and the boys are in it, and I'm excited. And she's sitting on my lap. We're eating chicken. She eats all the chicken, and she puts down the bones, and she runs away, and she plays. And I went to the, the guy who's staying, and I thought, what happened? What changed? And he said, oh, your little slave girl finally came to understand that she's a daughter. And it's changed everything. Now, here's the thing with you and with me. Most of you have not yet fully been convinced that you've saved. You're saved. You're still living like slaves. You don't know that you're a beloved of the most high God and releasing your life and your will to him and trusting him that he's a good father who loves and sees and know you. Instead, what you do is you do slave things. Let me tell you some slave things. I'm in bondage to an algorithm that continues to lie to me, to get and steal from me. I'm in bondage to that. I'm in bondage to pornography that promised me fulfillment, but all it ever does is take and steal. I'm in bondage to technology that I cannot disconnect with because I can't imagine my life without it. I'm a slave. And the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords says, I want to release you. I want to save your life. 
I want you to stop living like the Gentiles, and I want you to live in this new life as a son and daughter of the Most High God. This is the gospel. This is the good news that your culture is doing everything it can to squash and tell you you're in control. How's that going for you? How, truly, how's that working out? Is it bringing life or life to the full, or you just find yourself more depressed, more bummed, more hurt, more overwhelmed? You need to give your life to Jesus. 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which means this, no one's too far gone. You need to repent. You know what the word repentance is a very interesting term. It's a, it's a military term. It's the idea that we're moving this way. And they used to go left, right, left, right. They go stop and they go repentance. And repentance was a turning. This is what Paul's trying to say. We're all running like the Gentiles. We're all living in the trespasses of our sins. We're all living this death life. And Jesus' death and resurrection is calling us to repent and turn and return to the Father to receive his free grace, his gift that you can't earn. You just go, it's you. You are the one. You are the one I run to. You are the one that can heal me. That's why our passage for the weekend is speaking so clearly to us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone chooses to follow Jesus as a result of the, the conviction the Spirit of God brings to you, he is a new creation, brand new, son and daughter of the Most High God. The old has passed away, and behold, you're new. And what is this? All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You have been reconciled to God, but here's what you have to do. Repent and turn to the Lord. Receive this free gift that he is offering and giving to you. And I wonder, I wonder if I've been speaking over the last few days, you're like, I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm tired of living this death life. And I want new life. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray in just a second. But this is what I'd like you to do. If you have never confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, right? This isn't like rededication time. I know that's like a thing. This is like I've never confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. I've never said, I need you, Jesus. And if you would like to receive Jesus tonight as your Lord and Savior, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to no longer live as a slave, but as a daughter and son of the most high God, clean and holy before him. If you would like to receive Jesus tonight, would you stand right now in front of your peers? Stand. Stand. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Thank you, thank you. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stand. Stand. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord, if you're just tired, stand. You can hear the Spirit of God speaking. It's okay. I know it takes a lot of courage to stand. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Yeah. It's great. 
Here's the deal. Those of you who are standing, I know it's weird. I know it's weird. This is awkward, and I know it's hard, but just keep standing. It's okay, okay? Following Jesus is not this easy road. It isn't, you get new life, life in Christ, but that doesn't mean everything works out. You've heard my story, right? You've heard it. Does it sound like everything's just been rosy because I started following Jesus? No, right? No. But you know what I have is I have joy and I have peace that passes all understanding. And I choose to follow him, and he is the gift, not the byproduct of all this other stuff, like a better life or things like that. I get him. And I want to make it really clear that you're accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Is that what you want to do? And I'm just going to ask you to just pray this really quickly with me. And some of you maybe just need to pray this in the quiet. Maybe you didn't stand. Just pray this if you have never confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can pray this quietly. Jesus, I love you. I need to learn what that means, but I feel it. I receive your free gift of grace. I confess that my sin was killing me. It was death. But you have brought me new life in your son, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Now let's go. (laughs) Great. Hey, that's awesome. Scripture tells us that all of heaven rejoices uh, when one person comes to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Here's what I like to say also. There are a bunch of you in here that, to be honest, and I'm just going to be really bold, you're just faking it. You're just faking it. And I just want you to know your soul can only handle so much of that. And I'm going to tell you this. Choose today who you will serve. And maybe today is a, maybe tonight is a night, maybe in cabin time is a night where you confess that you've been faking it, that you're playing two sides, that you talk about Jesus and how great he is until it is inconvenient to your life. And you need to not live that way. I just want you to let you know, you need to not live that way. You need to confess that and go, I'm done. This weekend, I'm like, I've learned, I'm done. I don't wanna live that way, it's too much. I just want you to know, I actually, I just feel so heavy for you I cannot imagine what that does to your soul. If you know Jesus and you don't want to live for him or not living for him or you're faking it or like the church of Laodicea, just away, like repent. Receive again this free gift. Remind yourself that you need Jesus. We just saw people stand and confess him as Lord and Savior. Do you remember? Remember that when you did that? Live into that calling. Live into that goodness. Live into that life and life to the full. Stop living like the world, like the Gentiles. And Maybe you needed that reminder, right? I know what that feels like. You think I got it all figured out? I don't. I'm a hot, hot mess. But I need to be reminded of the gospel every single day, and I need to preach the gospel to myself. It's about Jesus. And I want to encourage you tonight to confess that to somebody. I've not been living like Jesus, and I really want to do that. But right now, this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like everybody to stand, and let us worship that in tonight, the spirit of the living God moved amongst his people. Amen? Amen.